welcome to Industry Roundtable with Roger Reiswig. I'm Roger Reiswig, Fellow and Vice President of Industry Relations at Johnson Controls. In this series, I will host leaders in the industry to explore fire and life safety issues that matter to you. For today's topic for Industry Roundtable, we will discuss Emergency Communications Radio Systems, or ECRS. My guest today is Mr. Bill Dow. Bill is a sales director for Westel Technologies. Welcome to Industry Roundtable, Bill, and thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Thanks, Roger. It's great to be here. Bill, could you provide our listeners with some of your background and also maybe your duties today? And what does a sales director do at Westel Technologies? Well, I guess it'd be a jack of all trades. I uh, I actually have 38 years in the uh, in the business. Uh, I, I'm a product of the two-way radio industry. Uh, I've spent the last four years with Westel developing its uh, uh, its public safety business. Um, I'm in charge of the education and, and sales support for the integrators in my area, which is the Northeast. And I also have a few large accounts uh, that are national, like Johnson Controls. Uh, fantastic. I, I appreciate you taking the time out today and, uh, and being with us. You know, and kind of just to start out, you know, many of our listeners have probably heard about radio enhancement systems, ECRS, or other names that are out there for these systems, sometimes called BDAs, bidirectional antenna systems, and it just seems like there's a lot of other uh, various terms that are being used. But as somebody who kind of deals with this in and out every day, could you provide an overview of the application and what these various terms that are being used are, and what is maybe the correct terms we should be using? Sure. Um, There's... uh... It depends on what industry you came out of, whether you are a uh, a traditional cellular DAS uh, integrator or you are a out of the two-way radio world or if you're out of the fire business. Depends on what you call either a bidirectional amplifier, BDA, signal booster, repeater. But the generic term is DAS, uh, distributed antenna system. And that's the most generic term and probably the go-to that works for most. In code, it's referred to as the Emergency Responder Radio Communication System, or ERCS, and um, that's how it's referred to there. So the goal of these systems is to allow a fireman, for example, or a policeman with a, with a two-way radio on his hip uh, to go inside a commercial building and talk out and be able to to talk into that building as well. There's a lot of reasons why that needs to be done. So if we take an antenna and mount it on the top of a commercial building, um, some generic commercial building, and we point it towards the source or the donor site where the uh, dispatch origination takes place and the transmission takes place, we point an antenna to that donor, and it's actually called a donor antenna, Uh, We can capture the signal on the outside of the building, and then we can bring it inside the building, add what's called gain or boost the signal, and and distribute it equally throughout the building. And 
the reverse is also true. You have a low-power handheld radio on a fireman, for example. Uh, he can talk to the closest antenna inside the building, and in the same, very same way, the reverse is true. So you can uh, take the signal and, and give it a boost or inject gain and send it all the way back to, to dispatch. It's, it's definitely a safety uh, reason to do it. So, Bill, you talked about um, police or first responders or emergency responders. I, I guess it's kind of like a side discussion. These systems that are being put in, is it for all first responders, whether you're paramedics or firefighters or police or what have you? And do they kind of share the same systems in various towns or are they different? Uh, depends. Um, okay. Many of the statewide systems are universally used by public uh, safety first responders. The state of Ohio has a single system that serves the entire community. In, in other places, you'll see the police on a statewide system and uh, the fire department on a legacy VHF system. So you really have to ask the AHJ which frequencies need to be accommodated uh, and that goes into your system design. Okay. And now in many buildings over the years, we've had dedicated firefighter telephone systems, which many of our listeners might be more familiar with. And these have been installed. We've had these for decades now, but now we're seeing the change of the migration to these DAS or digital or these uh, distributed antenna systems. Can you comment about this change and maybe what we're seeing happening with that? Sure. The, the uh, bi-directional amplifier, the ERC system, is a direct replacement for Firephone. Uh, Firephone was the standard for many, many years, um, but it has some limitations. Uh, one is tethering. I mean, you are, you are connected to, to a wire in a, in a certain location, and um, this system allows you to move around, and it's just more flexible. Okay, so maybe if I could ask you for a little bit of your insight, you seem to have a really, you know, um, a, a lot of intimate knowledge about these systems. So as the sales director for these systems, what challenges do you see building owners and AHJs, authorities having jurisdictions, and installers facing? Um, there, are, there are many challenges. For the building owner, let's start there. Um, the building owner often is presented with an unbudgeted expense. Um, many architects, now this learning curve is changing, of course, but, but uh, uh, many architects don't design these systems in there. Um, it falls somewhere within the fire and the structural cabling sections of uh, the, the format. So it may or may not be in the, in the blueprints or in the specs of the building. Um, and many times we don't know that we need one of these systems until a fire marshal walks into the building, new construction, and says, uh, hey, my radio doesn't work in here. So, so all of a sudden, uh, they will call someone like me and say, hey, Bill, I need, a, I need an ERC system, I need a BDA system, and I need it by the end of the week. Can you do that? And, of course, that's a, <laughs> that's a challenge in itself. Um, I bet, I bet. So for the installers, um, the, their big challenges, and these are, are, for the most part, these are uh, very talented folks. Their, their challenge is to understand the rules. There are certain rules and codes to follow. 
Um, it, it is, it, it doesn't, it touches on radio, it touches on um, survivability, um, and it's and and also on on uh, signal quality, so that's their challenge. And and for AHJs, um, many times you'll get a fire marshal, and you'll get or you'll have a um, uh, maybe an electrical inspector that this kind of falls under his his uh, domain, and doesn't really know what he's looking at. And um, there's, there's been some remedies. First of all, the AHJs are doing a great job of educating themselves and, and stepping up their game as far as expertise. Um, there, are, there are organizations like the Safer Building Coalition. Uh, I have the opportunity to speak at uh, many of their meetings every year when, when we were traveling. And um, uh, the AHJs are welcome to come to that training uh, free of charge. Uh, to learn about these systems, and they're doing all in all, they're doing a pretty pretty good job of ramping up and understanding what they're supposed to do here. No, that's great. You know, you talked about code uh, there um, that, that has purview over these. You know, so for many of our listeners, and I've heard people in the industry talk about this, some think that this is something that's relatively new, and it was something that was just added to the code. But in reality, I think we've seen this around for many years now. Could you kind of give us a little bit of insight to some of the history of these systems? Uh, sure. Um, the the institution of of uh, BDAs and and the the code goes back to about 2009 when it first appeared in uh, uh, IFC 510, and uh, it appeared in NFPA 72. First as a uh, as a, as a uh, addendum, and then in the main body in 2010-13 timeframe, um, and then it has progressed ever since. Now NFPA um, has a separate section. It's called 1221. It was introduced in 2006, and I understand that in two in 2021 NFPA 1225 will be part of the code, which is the latest and greatest version of the installation and maintenance standards of these systems. Yeah, I do a lot of work with NFPA 72, and we used to have these systems housed in that in uh, Chapter 24, and then it got moved over to 1221, and then it's going to be moved yet once again. So it might be uh, a a little bit cumbersome for people to find all of these uh, requirements in one place, but I think it's for the best. Um, for the industry, as this has kind of grown, if you will, and matured, you know, you're seeing the codes and standards catching up uh, for that as well. But as we talk about codes, so codes and standards, codes tell us usually when to do something, standards tell us how to do something. Uh, there is also a new listing standard um, that many people might not be aware of. Uh, there is a new UL um, 2524 in-building two-way emergency radio communication enhancement system. Uh, can you speak about this standard, what it covers, what it governs in the application? Sure. Um, UL 2524 is a new listing that is the standard for bidirectional amplifiers. Um, it brings forward with it uh, UL 609-50-1, which covers fire, shock, and water resistance uh, for the active components in a BDA system. Um, it also brings forward UL50E, which is the NEMA 4 enclosure that all BDAs are, uh, 
are mandated to be housed in. Uh, in addition, it brings some alarm output requirements, uh, like a general alarm output, that's an additional alarm. And it also calls out the oscillation detect alarm. That is, uh, oscillation detect is when the outdoor antennas and the indoor antennas uh, interfere with each other. And that will actually bring a, a regional radio system to its knees. It will bring it down, making it unusable. Uh, Westell has had the oscillation detect in its products for many years. Um, now it's part of 2524. What it doesn't cover is system design, installation, um, meaning how do you install it on a wall, on a table, in a, in a closet, that sort of thing. Um, what it does, and it also leaves the uh, RF portion out. It leaves, uh, 2524 leaves the RF portion with FCC part 90, which is the rules for two-way radios. Uh, I understand that uh, IFC 510 uh, 2020, 2021 version, as well as NFPA 2022, will both call out UL 2524 in the code standard. No, that's great. I, I wasn't aware of the oscillation aspects to this that you were just referring to. So that's very interesting. Um, so, and I guess in speaking about that, as we're starting to see these in certain types of buildings, uh, these requirements in the building codes, what occupancy or building types are you seeing these being used in more than others? And are they being used in only certain cities also, you know, as we look at geographic wise across the U.S., if you could just speak about those various applications. There, there is mandates uh, at generally all the state levels, um, maybe not all, but most. And it's really up to the local jurisdiction if it's going to be enforced or not. Um, Philadelphia is the only city, major city that I'm aware of that does not have BDA standards, they still call for, for fire phones. Um, all other jurisdictions require this in some fashion. And we see in almost every type of commercial building, whether it be office or hospital, uh, hotels, uh, large and small apartment complexes, student housing, you, you name it, um, they, they are putting these systems in there. So, Bill, could you kind of walk us through a typical system regarding, you know, specifications, installation, site survey, testing, kind of walk us through the process all the way to sign off with an AHJ? Sure. Um, it, this process is outlined very well in IFC 510. Um, you take a blueprint of a building, let's say it has three floors. You take each one of those floors and divide it in a grid style into between 20 and 40 grids or boxes. Um, 1,600 square feet is a, is a good uh, rule of thumb to use for each section. Uh, and then you walk to the middle of that section and you do a, a signal strength measurement of the radio channels that are to be accommodated. So you must have uh, a negative 95 dBm to pass the test negative uh, 96 dBm is a fail, and you cannot have two quadrants or sections uh, adjacent to each other fail. 
you need to cover at least 95% of the building, 98% of the places where firemen hang out, uh, stairwells, equipment rooms, uh, fire rooms, that sort of thing. Um, stairwells are, are very important um, to, to cover at the 98%. So that is the standard for baseline testing and then you can design a system, whether it be pass or fail, or partial pass and partial fail. It is not uncommon in major cities to have the lower, say, eight floors of a 15-story building fail, and then when you get up to nine and ten, those floors pass. So as long as they pass, you don't need to build out that system necessarily. By that time, you probably have the system in the budget, but you don't necessarily have to build out to, to pass the test. Um, that is the test when you walk through with the AHJ to get your occupancy permit. You can measure signal strength, and there's another test that's now allowed um, in the 2018 version of IFC 510, where it allows the AHJ to have a radio with him and he gives a subjective rating from one to four based on the audio quality of his radio. So it's a one to four scale and he's, he dictates uh, sentences into the radio back to the dispatcher and she repeats it. And based on that grid, he can grade the box, so to speak. And it's a one to four scale it's called uh, it's called delivered audio quality, and if you uh, your building gets a 3.4 out of four, you pass. So one of those two methods for uh, getting that permit from the AHJ. No, that was great. I really appreciate you going through all of that. Um, very very good um, description of the system. So once the system's in, it's installed, it's accepted by the uh, authority having jurisdiction. What uh, annual or semi-annual kind of inspections and testing guidelines are there for a system after it's installed? So, so what's required after that is, is on the anniversary date of either your inspection or the occupancy permit, once a year, you kind of have to walk through and make sure all the antennas are there. You do what's called a, a preventative maintenance check on the on the box itself. You measure the RF out and in and make sure that you still have decent signal, check the batteries, um, and, and give it a give it a good once over uh, as as an annual inspection. Uh, every five years you are required to uh, repeat the baseline testing where you grid up your building and you uh, measure for the negative 95 dBm uh, pass or fail again. It's potential uh, that the signal is degraded if a building was built. It's potential uh, that a line was cut. Um, you're looking for those sorts of, of failures. So you recertify the building every five years. Okay. For the annual inspection you spoke of, who's qualified to do that, or who does a building owner need to contract to do that work? Um, generally, the, the folks that install these systems, they have the equipment to do that. There are some places in the country, Atlanta and Washington, D.C., uh, come to mind, where the inspections are actually done by the two-way radio shop. Now, certainly not 
you can't inspect a, a system that you installed, um, but the radio shops in town can can inspect each other. So the two-way radio shops are qualified. Those in the fire side that, that have the proper equipment and the grow license are qualified. Um, and it's it's a uh, it's just a really good best practice to do. So, Bill, we we've, we've talked a lot about these systems and they're being used within uh, the United States. Um, are they being used outside of the United States in any locations uh, that you're aware of? Yeah, we're seeing uh, applications in Canada, and we also have the ability to provide systems to the U.S. military on uh, bases that are located around the globe. Oh, that's great. I really appreciate that. Um, so, th Bill, I got to tell you, this has been a very interesting topic, and I think you helped clear up a lot of things uh, for our listeners. And I want to thank you very much for taking the time out uh, today to be part of Industry Roundtable uh, in this podcast series. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Before we wrap up, I wanted to mention that this podcast is for informational purposes and is not professional advice. We recommend you consult with your local authorities or seek professional counsel for your life safety needs.